welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. We are joined here this week by Harrison from Novena. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and also Floyd from Serpent Temple podcast. Hello. And me, Nina from Serpent Temple podcast. So we're going to do a card reading. Um, these are the cards. Imbue okay. them of your spirit. Shuffle them around. Okay. Um, they, I don't know if you know about psych cards. They are just kind of like psychological tarots. We're going to do a spread. We'll turn them over. There will be cards that kind of represent archetypes. Mm -hmm. And either you can just straight away riff off what you think of when you see those things, or I can go into the psych card book of meanings. Interesting. Um, I've never done anything like this. So this is exciting. It is exciting. Okay. You Do can, I hand these back to you? No, you keep them. Um, okay. You can be as personal or as professional as you like. So you can relate it to you. Anything goes. Um, or you can just, you know, relate it to music and stuff like that. So we'll do the spread. Um, okay. Please place two cards on either side of the Inquirer. The Inquirer is you. Okay, so on the left and right here? Yep, face down. Face down. And then three cards below and three cards above. Should I be taking them from the top or can I take them from anywhere? It's up to you. Okay. So three cards below, three cards above. Yeah. Like this? Yeah, good. You're doing great. I, don't know why. I was getting flashbacks to those um, uh, gambling sites. We've got like the live rooms. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You play and then um, you would nice. always go in with a donation to get them to say your troll name, like your bendovers and your. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a Mr. great. Hugh G. Erection. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you. Sorry to interject here, but uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a Skittles advert years ago, like uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was in that kind of early period of the internet where they were experimenting with like different ways of engaging with people. And they had this like whole warehouse full of people who are just constantly online and you you would message them like a little message and then they would read it to the camera and yeah. then there'll be a skittles ad at the end right yeah and so we had great fun at like just after we left school sort of messaging themselves and i managed to send one that said ice bank <laughs> mice elf those were the first four, four <laughs> words right so the guy reads yeah. it is like okay this one's from harrison ice bank myself <laughs> <laughs> And you could just hear other people in the warehouse like cracking up laughing. And one of them, a lady next door, you could literally hear her like in the background on the microphone being like, did he just say I spanked myself? That's brilliant. Oh, I love that oh shit. It's good stuff. It's fucking great. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. So the bottom row is the things that inform your past. The okay. middle row is things that inform your present. The top row is things that you are moving towards. Okay. Um, we will add more cards at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, if we don't have time, then you get this. But there are cards that go below and above that are the things that drive you towards things. And the thing that above the uttermost card is what you go towards. Okay. Your, your ultimate desire and goal. So Ooh. let's start to the right of the Inquirer. Flip a card. So this one here or... Oh, to the that, right of it, I yeah. see. Okay. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We need to get like <laughs> easier to... Okay. The scales... Okay, Straight. so this is a future thing. Do you want me to read the scales? Yeah, I'd like to this hear is a bit more of a mysterious card. Um, I don't think I've ever seen this one before. Really? No. Uh oh. Should I run? <laughs> like, <laughs> I right. get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so the scales reads A pair of scales of fruit hanging from an ancient twisted fruit tree. The symbol stands for justice, moderation, prudence, and a sense of balance in our affairs. It represents common sense and a harmony with the world of nature. That's very nice. How do you feel about that? How does that relate to you? It's interesting. I mean, the idea of justice and balance and all those sort of things are important to me. Uh, the fact that it's tied into nature is interesting as well. Um, I've been 
uh, a vegan, for example, for 15 years. Mm. And I've always been a massive animal lover. Uh, and I've always uh, always viewed that as an important, not, not a part of my identity. Like, I'm not the sort of person who, you know, buys into what, well, I don't know, it's difficult to, to kind of articulate. But it's an important part of me. It's not something that I necessarily, necessarily proselytize about. Um, and that to me is important as well, the kind of balance of what I think is an important choice for me to make ethically versus the respect I treat people with in their choices. So mm. maybe that's, that's something that spoke to me. Plus, I like apples. So I like apples. Who doesn't? Yeah. What's your favorite kind of apple though? I love a red lady, a pink lady, red lady. Shem likes yeah. those. I'm a yeah. kind of Braeburn Granny Smith. I mm. love cooking apples. Yeah. I yeah. really like cooking apples. Gorgeous. Yeah. I also do have a soft spot for like a really well-made like apple crumble dessert. I like the crumble, mm-hmm. but I don't like it when the apples are sweet. They've got to be nice not? and sour. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Scales as well. Do you practice scales? Are you a scales oh, I, guy? that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, not nearly as much as I should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I used to, like when I was in my teens and I was first really getting into music theory and like, I was just like, I'm 14 years old. I want to be the best guitarist in the world. I'll just be like eight hours a night, just like. And now I f- if I even look at my guitar, it should feel grateful, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, um, it's been a, it's, it's, there's been a change there. But I mean, I, I, I teach a lot. And scales are something that I try to make fun, I think. How do you do um, that? Because they're never, I've never had fun doing scales. It's really tricky, right? Because they feel like such a kind of clinical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, when I, I, I teach a lot of beginners to play, or not so much at the moment, but, but historically I do teach a lot of beginners to play guitar and piano. And it's especially fun on the piano because you can take someone who's literally never touched an instrument before and you can get them improvising on their first lesson right the simplest way to do that is you say today we're only going to play with the black keys right Mm. and i'll sit on the left and i'll kind of accompany them and i'll just start off by playing one chord it might be like an e flat minor chord or i might play an a flat major chord or a g flat major chord and i'll say i just want you to take your fingers you can use one finger at a time if you want and i just want you to play some of these black notes and just see what it sounds like and if you want to just hold it down see if it clashes with what i'm playing i'll see if it see if it creates some harmony with what I'm doing. And they have a lot of fun usually kind of trying to navigate that. And sometimes they put, pick out little melodies that they know, like Three Blind Mice or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And the great thing about that is I can play a whole host of different chords down here. And so long as they're just playing the black keys, what they're really playing is either an E-flat minor pentatonic scale or a G-flat major um, you know, uh, pentatonic scale um, or any of the modes thereof. But what they're really doing is they're discovering the joy, hopefully, um, of of just, you know, seeing music as this kind of active um, kind of thing that you can just have fun with. And then afterwards I say, oh, do you know what we just did? We played this, that, another, and this is what it's called, and these are the notes that are in it. And they go, oh, great, I remember that because I had so much fun doing it. Oh. Rather than coming and saying, this is what a C major scale looks like when it's written down, do this over and over again until you remember it. Because that kind of, to me, like... Some people respond to that. Some people do. Um, and it can be helpful to do that. But I think unless you connect the, the theory of music, which to me should be a descriptive practice, right? It's, it's, it's something that you use to explain things that you do emotionally. Mm. It shouldn't be like a prescriptive one that tells you what you should do. You know? So at an early stage, I think, when you kind of show a, a, a budding young musician like, this is how you can have fun by just exploring this territory. 
and then go, oh, awesome, here's what we did. This is how you can refer to it in the future. Then I think usually they engage with that a lot more. So that's that. That's really playful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just had flashbacks to when I was being taught how to play the piano at school. And it was just, um, <laughs> right, this is Stand By Me by Benny King. You just go, dun, 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 dun. Great song. Oh, DMCA strike right there, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the second time I've used that joke in a week, so I've got no, no, nice. no original material. <laughs> <laughs> DMC would look like yeah. whatever. Oh, not this guy again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can hear that playful side in your music as well. I was listening to, uh, I, I heard like there's so many playful ideas that come in. I'm like, oh, I can see, like you had this like amazing clapping section. Oh, thank you. Yeah, in, yeah. Um, and like Corazon, I think, mm -hmm. which is like probably my favorite. Um, oh, song thank you I very much. To. I, It's such a cool, I mean, flamenco in that kind of music was really mm. sick. Did, do you know Carmen? Do you know the band Carmen? I don't, I'm afraid. No. They're a 70s rock prog band that do literally flamenco prog rock. Oh, fantastic. And they have like tap dancing in their songs, so you'd love it. Okay, yeah. I, I, <laughs> he sold. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll make a note of that afterwards. That's really cool. Yeah, I think yeah. you'd like them. We'll play some later. I mean, like. I, I love like Latino music, you know, Cuban music particularly, but, but a lot of South American music and flamenco, you know, and all of that stuff. And mm. I think when, when we did that, I kind of got halfway through writing that song. And up until that point in the song, it had all been... Like if you had a spectrum of sort of like authentic Latin music or Spanish music and on the other end is like authentic metal, I'd kind of been riding it towards the metal end. So it just had a flavor. But at some point I was like, do you know what? Why don't I literally just have a Cuban dance break? I mean, why not? Yeah. Like, who, who can tell me not to? Like, it's fucking yeah. awesome. I'd enjoy that. So I was like, how do I get from that to that? And I was like, oh, obviously, I just do a two-minute polyrhythmic clapping cycle. Like, <laughs> oh, like, duh. <laughs> so uh, that, that was good fun. And it's, it's really good fun when we released that one because we had, like, a little listening party online. There's this Discord server called Images and Words, which, like, a lot of, like, sort of prog people chat to each other in there, which is great. Um, really nice people in there, too. And they host listening parties. So... Just before the album released, like about an, an hour before midnight, we did a listening party where everyone in there was listening for the first time. And uh, up until that point, everyone had been vibing with it. Like, yeah, it's cool, whatever, you know. And then it got to that point and everyone's reaction was just like question marks, like <laughs> exclamation marks, like what? Like, where has the music gone? So <laughs> Why are you applauding yourself? <laughs> but it's good fun. Yeah. Well, it's fabulous. Uh, yeah, it's good to get a reaction like that. Do you want to go to the next card? I would love to. Should we be symmetrical here? Yeah, so what should I take this one? Oh, no, go to the bottom. I'll oh, to the bottom corner over there. No, no, other side. Oh, this, oh I see. Yeah. I, I just realized there's like a billion planes of symmetry that we could have gone for. Right. So I was very nondescriptive. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite all right. I, I, I like the diagonal as well. That, like that, feel, that feels right. Yeah. So here we go. Fortune. Fortune favors the brave. Mm, Every true. time I think that says torture. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really That's does. the more metal answer. <laughs> Is that number 12? My eyes. God damn, I need to go Specsavers. It's like an MC Escher painting. It is, isn't it's very it? very cool. Um, all right, I'll read it. A seeker, lantern in hand, is shown ascending a winding staircase leading up a garret where a treasure chest is waiting. The card signifies the quest ending in fulfillment. It stands for success achieved by good luck, persistence, and an increase in wealth. Mm -hmm. mm. Interesting. I mean, I'm a very ambitious person, put it that way. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm ambitious towards. Like, 
wealth is not necessarily something I'm striving for in, in terms of material wealth. But I am and always have been, I think, um, very connected to the idea of making the best use of my time. Mm. And for me, a big part of that is is just a kind of artistic endeavor, I guess, just trying to figure out, you know, why am I here? <laughs> what What is the point in, in being alive? And how can I try and turn it into something that's meaningful for me and, and other people? And I don't necessarily, like it's interesting the idea of like the, the chest representing success at the top or whatever that is. Because in my kind of viewpoint of the world, I don't think that chest exists. I don't think there is ever an end to the staircase. It just yeah. keeps going. But the longer you keep climbing it, the more you learn and the further you can see, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so to me, that would be a never ending staircase, but not one that like grinds you down. It would be one where like the further up you get, the more paintings there are on the walls or I don't know, the more taco bells you can stop at <laughs> <laughs> yeah, either end of the spectrum. But it just, I don't know, it gets a richer experience as you keep climbing up and then you die, you know? Then you die. <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? Who knows, who knows yeah. what comes next? Like the whole journey versus the destination kind of thing, isn't it? Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. And, the, like, there can be wonderful destinations along the way, like st mini stops, I think. But for me, the actual process of making things is such a rich experience in itself. And... um I don't know. That's that's what sprung to mind when I saw that. Plus, it's gorgeous lighting on that. Look at that. It's, it's really nice. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? That reminds me of a painting I saw. Not because of the the figure, but the the lighting. There's a painting uh, in the National Gallery, which I went to the other day, called um, oh, what was it called? I can't remember. It might have been called the Concert, I think, and it was by. Again, was um, it a British? Old Brit was it no, it's it a Dutch painter, I think. Okay, um, but Rubens? it uh, Rubens was there, Rubens was next door, but it wasn't Rubens, I don't think. Um, but there, there are three people in there. Yeah. There's Johan Vermeer, oh, very possibly. Have you got like a picture of it? Not that one, not that one, sadly. I might be wrong about the title, I might be wrong about the title, but there are, there are three people sitting together around a candle, and you've got two people who are kind of in the foreground of the painting, one of them's looking this way and is playing some kind of instrument, like a sort of lute or something. Then there's a, a lady. That's the one. Oh, yeah, what is it? Hendrik Terbruggen. Hendrik Terbruggen. And is it, is it called The Concert? Did I get that right? Or is it a different yeah. title? Amazing. So you've got a lady on, on the left who's kind of side-eyeing the, the viewer's perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's just like a, quite a lot of like emotion wrapped up in the way she's looking at you. And then there's like a younger kid, I think, who's like reading from a book. But in the middle, there's this candle that's illuminating people in different ways and the, the sense of like depth and everything in it. And the kind of, you, you, you really get a sense of the mood that's going on in that room because of like how low the lighting is, which is something that I think when you can convey that in a painting, it's just to, to give that much energy to something that's still is just fantastic. So on a kind of aesthetic level, that really reminded me of that. I'll hold it up for the benefit of the camera. Mm. And viewers, uh, listeners just have to you suck it up. You don't have to do that. I can put it on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, doing, we're doing it old school today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd is helping. <laughs> I'm contributing. <laughs> I'm helping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or do you want to turn over a different card? 
Ooh, yeah, I want to do another corner if that's okay. Go for it. Yeah, Take I'm, the corner slices the are the corners. best bits. Uh, do I have? Could I ask Floyd to do it for me? Is that all right? Go for or it. That I'm not. I, I. I'm not the. It's all good. Okay, Floyd, can you turn over the back corner for me, please? <laughs> Beautiful work. Oh, the liar. The liar. Oh, wow. The performer is I've in the house. Cold. <laughs> Arrest me now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a musician's card. Oh, um, amazing. All right, I'll read it for you if you like. Uh-huh. The jester comes forward onto the stage, balancing on one foot, and his expression can appear sly. A dropped purse lies at his feet whilst he holds aloft his replica and a mask. This card stands for deception and the possibility that you are being deceived or mm. deceiving yourself. It symbolizes falsity, disguise, cheating, malice, and those occasions where one has to wear a mask to the world for whatever reason. You got me. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, yeah. Not as friendly as the last one, is it? I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a past card. No, that's so. okay. Oh, it's a past card. Oh, these are all past, didn't you say? Or? The ones right at the bottom. Okay. Or I guess for us, the top are mm -hmm. the past. And then the middle is the present. And then this is the future. I see. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm a performer and a writer by trade. Like, it's what I do for work. It's what I've always done since I was a kid. Theatre, all that sort of stuff. I think inherent in that is... The ability to make believe, you know, so there's that. And, uh, you know, the idea of the mask is quite interesting. I think we all wear masks all, all the time, yeah. you know. I'm wearing one right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we all do, right? I mean, we're, we're on camera at the moment. We, we know that we're being perceived. So even if, you know, this is all really friendly and, and really nice, there's, there's always a certain element in the back of your head, isn't it? Like, oh, I'm performing right now. Yeah. Also, yeah, you're not you know. going to just like randomly say, you know, some awful, strange, boundaryless thing about yourself. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, like something embarrassing or deeply, you know, yeah. upsetting. I mean, I, I'm quite an open book for the most part. You know, like I, I discovered several years ago that, you know, I've had like therapy and stuff in the past. One thing I'm really not good at is, is sort of discussing personal issues one on one. Uh huh. But I'm I. And a part of that is because I, I panic like when I'm having any sort of confrontation or anything like that. I'm really a very non-confrontational person. And I often don't say quite what I mean at the time and I struggle to articulate myself. But with the written word, I can usually be very concise. I've got time to sort of think about what I want to say and really set, you know, set out my thoughts. And so I found that like opening up to people through like social media and stuff not and, and again not one-to-one -one, but sometimes you know if i'm having a bad time i'll just stick it up on facebook i'll say like look i'm not looking for sympathy i'm not you know anything like that but i'm having a bad time right now and this is why and if you'd like to read this feel free you know some people find that kind of indulgent or whatever and i, and I totally understand that but for me it's always been a thing of like accountability as well mm -hmm. you know like i, I don't and it, this is particularly relevant when i got sober right so i I'm a recovering alcoholic um, and I, that kind of ruined, I mean, this is the difficult thing, right? When you get sober, you leave so much of your life behind. You gain so much, but you leave so much of your life behind. And all of the like wonderful friends that I'd made through drinking, through being at all these parties and festivals and all that sort of stuff, all of the amazing memories I'd made or lost, um, you kind of, you know that you're closing the door on that stuff forever. Yeah. And that was really difficult 
you know, beyond all the just chemical addiction and all, all that sort of stuff, all of those things were really difficult. And so I took to kind of like chronicling sort of my process of getting sober online and people were just abs- like unbelievably kind and so supportive in a way that I just was beyond comprehension to me. Um, and in a way that I thought I felt like I really didn't deserve, you know? Um, and so I learned so much about myself as a person through getting sober. And I look back on who I was when I was drinking and when I was at the kind of depths of my depravity, I guess. And, uh, I, I barely recognize that person. Right. And the re- the reason I bring that up specifically is I have this nickname called wonky. Right. And I still, I still go by it, but for a long time I've had a kind of like sort of sense of, of dissonance with, with, with that nickname because it came from my reputation as being a bit of a party animal and always being intoxicated, always being other things as well. Um, and I loved that personality at the time. I loved that I was the center of attention. I loved that I could always lead a party. I loved that I was always the person who was like crazy enough to do something wacky that took the party to a new level or whatever. But I was killing myself in the process, literally and sort of mentally killing myself in the process. And I get to this point where I nearly lose my life on several occasions and, and, and come this close to the brink. And it, it took that to kind of get me to step back and sort my shit out. But after months of getting sober and realizing that life does go on and you've got all of these amazing other things you can do. And I still get to go to gigs. I still get to do that. Um, and part of the reason I get to do that is because I confronted how much of a fucking facade all of that character was. It doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. It doesn't mean it wasn't also a part of me, but it was this thing that I was performing all the time for people because it was like that, that class clown mentality. You know, like I, I was a very unpopular kid and I was like, well, if I can be funny, and I discovered that when I was sort of in my early teens, then, oh, suddenly people like me, some people want to get on. And that, like, it goes from being a conscious thing when you're at school to being a, a, an integral part of your personality that you, you, you're not even aware of, you know? And so as I kind of got into my late teens and my 20s, that was just me. I was just always in performance mode 24-7. And... Um, it, it nearly it nearly killed me, to be honest, you know, several times. And so that sobriety saved me in several ways because it also helped me to really be honest and confront myself about, you know, not knowing who the fuck I was, to be honest, like having no idea who I am. And in choosing to reveal that stuff just publicly. I posted it all online. I was just like, listen, guys, like, this is what's going on. And people suddenly came forward and they were just like, we know. We've, you know, we've been watching you, like, destroy yourself for years and we yeah. fucking love you, man. And, and, like, we wanted to be... And I was just, like, so unbelievably overwhelmed that what I'd been sort of worrying about for so long was that, like, without that, I'm nothing. Without the ability to entertain people and make people have a good time, I've got nothing left. And then that all fell away and I looked people in the eye and I was honest 
and I was like, this is how I'm struggling. And people said, we don't care, we still love you. And that was like, that was an amazing, amazing thing for me to discover about other people and about myself. And it really reinforced for me how good most people are most of the time. Because before that, when I was at the real depths of stuff, I had this really cynical kind of worldview. Where I was like, oh, people are just shit, you know. There's only a couple of good ones out there. And I think it takes sometimes, and it's a shame that it is this, because I'd like to think that, you know, we, we can all be mature enough to kind of go, oh, of course people are good. But sometimes it does take you to be the recipient of so much love to go, oh, no, of course, like, everyone's got shit going on. Everyone's struggling. But most people can can like share the love when you know as often as they can and uh that i think really relates to how much i learned about myself trying to discover who the hell i was <laughs> basically so yeah and he's got really good balance which i don't that's <laughs> <laughs> the nickname wonky exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. always walking around like this yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, and you know what? Like, I think a lot of the other generation gives social media a really bad rap for it being. Cause I think I don't think they realise how powerful a tool for communication it can be. Yeah. Um, and this is not me saying like, okay, boomers, because it's not <laughs> all old people. Because we now know that Facebook is infested with that older generation, yeah, yeah. right? But it just goes to show that, like, you know, you can make genuine human connections online, and it it's, really it's a really it can be a, a tool for good. It can, it can, and you know, it has its serious serious troubles like any other platform and and there are lots of things that i think that level of digital connection comes at the expense of but when it's used for good it can do really amazing things there are hundreds of friends that i have that in the days before social media i either would have never met or certainly would have would not have been able to keep in touch with wouldn't have been able to for example if I just happened to be like in Germany for the weekend because of work or whatever, I wouldn't be able to just go, oh, so-and-so lives here because I probably would have never met them or I wouldn't necessarily have had their number or whatever. And that allows me to just go, oh, brilliant. I can see a friend like as well as being here. And it's wonderful for that, I think. It's great. Just uh, the one thing though with, with social media is that I had to disconnect my phone from it. I didn't like the ability of it to grab my attention whenever it wanted to you know that that to me was like too much and so now I've, I've basically tried to brick my phone so that i've got whatsapp i have messenger um but i took off all the apps and stopped all the notifications so if i want to look at my phone i can go and do that to do emails and messaging and that sort of thing but it's not constantly buzzing going like look at me look at me look at me that that was the part of it i thought i felt was difficult yeah Mad respect <laughs> for basically going sober. Um, Thank you very much. At right. the point you were at, because that's very difficult. It's very Thank difficult you. work. Um, yeah, we're like really supportive of that kind of thing here. Thank it's you all good. Much. Yeah, me and Floyd don't drink either. So. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah and I, I've never drunk. My only real vice was really caffeine. I felt like, you know, it really gets um, understated how much of a powerful psychoactive drug it is at times. Yeah, it's and crazy. It's like, and I think there's a lot of people that are like nursing like a serious caffeine addiction without really knowing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually tea, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think it just had such a profound impact on me because that was the only thing I ever did. Like I mm. pretty much sort of lived more or less a straight edge 
existence. Right. So like, I think it had, it, it affected me so much more than it would other people because I hadn't had any experiences from any other substances. Yeah. So I felt like when I did stop drinking caffeine, it kind of like, like you said, I was just like, wow, it's so great to be in like control of my own body mm. and like my own like serotonin, not in complete control. But like, <laughs> None of us ever really are in complete control, <laughs> but you know, yeah. Being dependent on something else just to function, like something tangible, something specific, like without this thing, I can't do anything. Yeah. That is such a horrible thing to recognize. And like working to regain your agency is like so, so difficult, regardless of what the thing is. Yeah. And, but once you start noticing the progress you make, and however small that is, it's such a liberating thing. So if it's caffeine or smoking or food or like, whatever it is you know power to you when you when you kind of get control over that yeah. oh, sugar's a big one as well sure I, I cannot kick sugar man mm. it's impossible oh, dude. no so, i'd refuse sugar <laughs> yeah. is just, like honestly when i when i got sober like with addiction what often happens is that you transfer your addiction to something else as yeah. a coping mechanism right and the two things for me well the main thing really was was food right and and particularly like sugary foods and under the banner of food i include like drinks as well like soft drinks and stuff like that the amount of coke i started drinking oh my god like and i like i've been trying ever since i got sober to to stop drinking coke and i just can't at the moment <laughs> it is more difficult than quitting drinking Damn. like it is i mean n not really but like it, it's <laughs> because like you know a coke won't ruin my life when i have it so there's no like immediate feedback loop. Like if I was to start drinking again, if I was to have one drink, that would be it. I would be in a spiral and I know the immediate ramifications of that. But I can have a Coke and feel great and it's delicious and it's tasty and and then I want another one. <laughs> and, and then, you know, but there's no there's no real feedback loop that, that happens straight away. So it's so hard to like manage the the hypothetical implications of doing that, you know. And also, I don't think that we should be so puritanical that no. we can't enjoy things, you know. Mm. I just Would worry about the kind of chemistry of my stomach, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, a, like a, some kind of science experiment in, in secondary school. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like a tooth in there. Yeah. yeah. Like... <laughs> oh, and it's gone. <laughs> so do you ever drop any of the, like a really grotty, like two pence coin in there and just watch it strip it's away all the dirt? Sizzle, Ooh. yeah. yeah. It's, cool. it's like still at bang inside mm. your stomach. Yeah. 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 Although, in, in my old flat, I, I did something that I thought would never be possible. And that was I accidentally left a mug of like, yeah, and yeah, sometimes I drink Coke from a mug um, <laughs> when there's no other, you know, receptacles available. It's okay, we're not uh, judging you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Um, I left a mug of Coke, but just like behind the corner of the curtain and I just forgot about it, I didn't see it. And I came back, it must have been there for a while because it grew mold, Oh, right? <laughs> Now, you expect mold to grow on like fruit juices and tea and things like that, but it's basically acid <laughs> and somehow it grew mold. So I'm like, is that how much of a reprobate I am? <laughs> Does that count as alien life? Should we send that to NASA? Like... Yeah, I, th I think I deserve the Nobel Prize for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like that episode of The Simpsons, you know, when Lisa uh, grows the tiny little civilization. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What an episode. That is a trip. Classic like Simpsons that. was the best. Oh, I was talking about this the other day. I was like, the one 
one, obviously, being a, a follically challenged person. <laughs> follically um, challenged? Well, you're certainly not follically challenged down here. No, that's mate. a good that point. Is, that is rich and luscious. He's talking about the beard. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge to get that under control. That you know of, Nina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Demoxino episodes. I love it. I remember watching it as a child and, like, not knowing how much it would resonate with me as an adult. <laughs> But such a good episode. Just so good. Oh with my the God. assistant You Carl. just unlocked that memory for me. That's yeah. not one that was like in my consciousness until you said it. And then it's like, I can see the whole thing in my head. Yeah. That's great. Oh, man. That's the one where Homer like gets a good job because he's got hair and it falls out of here. Yeah. 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 I wonder if, like, you know how your life flashes before you when you die? If, like, mm. our generation's just going to have, like, multiple Simpsons episodes <laughs> flash before their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hopefully the good ones. Uh, yeah. So the last one I'm ever going to hear is Dental Plan. Dental Plan. Lisa Lisa needs... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We're such a fucked up generation. Oh, we're yeah, doomed. Yeah, we um, well, do you want I wanna... think it's time for the final corner. Go for it. The Stranger. Oh. Wow, what a mysterious spread. Can I, can I remove it to have a little look at it? Go. Yeah. Go look at The Stranger. I will describe it for our listeners and viewers. In shadow, making an entrance in a doorway, stands a character whose sex is ambivalent. The stranger perhaps symbolizes that part of our nature that we've shut out, that is now entering in a surprising way. It is the equivalent of the anima or animus, the excluded part of our psyche that is the opposite sex to our own. It can also stand for any person we have underrated or neglected who could prove themselves a force in our lives. Represented here is also the caution and apprehension that we feel towards new people in our lives initially. It's interesting. And this is in the future bank, isn't it? This is a future thing, yeah. Yeah. You will meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger. In the mirror. Of course. <laughs> 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 um, wow, I'm not sure what that could be. Can I hear it again? Yeah. Is that all right? I will, I will ha- happily. Um, I won't read you the... The, uh, the whole sure sure just, um, so the stranger symbolizes the part of our nature we've shut out mm-hmm. that is now entering in a surprising way so perhaps like you know now you're no longer wearing a mask mm. so you're, you're exploring yeah. that part of yourself um, it's the equivalent to the animal or animus the excluded part of our psyche that's the opposite sex to our own it can stand for any person we've underrated or neglected who could prove themselves a force in our lives and it's also representative of the caution and apprehension we feel towards new people so perhaps it's also mm. about vulnerability yeah um, about discovery and that could be the follow-on from the liar if the liar was what came before then this is what comes next you know yeah because like, the, the whole process of of the past few years has been one of like obviously rediscovering myself and, and learning who i am but also trying to forge more meaningful connections with other people um because everything when when you when you make such a dramatic shift like that in your life the way that you understand yourself changes the way that you relate to other people. Mm. So it's affected my relationship with my family in, in a positive way. But um, there were things to learn there. F- massively affected the way that I interact with a lot of my friends because I can no longer participate in the same way in the things which we originally bonded over. That hasn't changed how much I love them or it hasn't changed whether I want to hang out with them or not just changes the things that we can do but it's been really cool to see old friends and this has happened a few times recently um 
old friends that I've lost, not necessarily lost touch with, but just haven't been in communication with, to see them again and discover so much has changed about them as well and to do things that, you know, with our time that I would never have done whilst I was drinking, you know, because everything for me was a conduit for drinking in the past, you know, like a drink on the way to work, I would drink like, I'd have several whiskeys with lunch. Every time I met up with someone, I'd carry around a tin, you know. And so learning more about my friends through more sober activities is really cool and seeing how much you enjoy them there. And sort of discovering sides to people that you were too blind to see beforehand, you know. Um, and I think a big part of what I'm trying to move towards at the moment outside of my own kind of personal goals is just trying to sort of restructure a little bit how I spend my time with people that I care about. And there are a lot of like, I've, I've, I've made a little mental list of people that I know I need to reach out to. Um, and some of those might not want to, they might not be interested in, and that's, that's fine. But hopefully some of them will, and it'll be really interesting to see who I am in relation to them and who they are in and of themselves now that we're in this or that I am in this different space and place in my life. And um, I think that's quite an exciting thing. It's interesting that it talks about apprehension mm. and nerves. I, I don't feel that, if okay. I'm honest. I, I, human beings, other people are, to me, the most wonderful thing about life. They, they are at times the only thing that makes life worth living for, for many people, I think, is the connections that you have with others. And it's very, very rare for me, because I'll chat to anyone, honestly, like if I go out to a bar, if I go whatever, I will strike up a conversation with a stranger and almost all of the time it will be really pleasant because like I said earlier, like you discover that most people are good people and want to share themselves with other people. So. I actually feel a lot of excitement and kind of reverence for like meeting new people um, in weird places as well. Like I, I, I am, d despite the fact that I'm sober, I'm still very much a night owl and I still really like going out and doing things. So very often I'll be out late at night after going to like, I don't know, see a gig or something and I'll end up in a place like the casino, which I'm a member at and I don't go super often, but I know that it's a place that's always open late at night. And if I don't feel like going home, I can go there and chat to people. And one of the best things about going there is it's always open and it's always got new people coming through it. So often I'll be in the smoking area and I'll strike up a conversation with a stranger. And every single time I do that at a place like that, you always have an interesting conversation with people that are completely different lines. Like I've had conversations with like professional, like, uh, uh, like a, a, a while ago, there was this professional like Iranian gambler who was wearing this bright neon. Was he called Reza? Can't remember. This one was a, was a while ago. Okay, I, he, I know. Do you really? And a, he was about he was about thirty five years old, I think. Like that would be yeah. my guess. Was he bald? He was, and he wore a bright like neon yellow jump like tracksuit. Yeah. Do you reckon it's this person? It could be. That that would be quite incredible. That's so funny. That would be quite incredible. But like, I had a fantastic conversation with him, um, and like it was it's quite funny because like I go to the casinos have a nice time. I don't spend much money. I spend a little bit of money when I play, but 
only a you know 100 200 pounds at the max yeah so i'm playing these little baby bets five pounds at a time ten pounds at a time this guy's like 10 grand um and i'm like <laughs> all, right, all right then <laughs> there goes my masculinity yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but we have a good conversation. Then the other night, I met like this, uh, like singer who was like, um, didn't look like the sort of person who'd be into the same music as me. Like, but then again, like I don't think I had looked like the sort of person who's into like really heavy music a lot of the time. Um, so we had this conversation, and we figured out that we had mutual friends from like heavy metal music festivals, and that we came from the same part of London, roughly, and that was really cool. And then I've had like conversations with like, like women in like their 80s who like live in the casino and i'm like you know why why do you spend time here and like sometimes it can be a little little bit sad you know like, i don't mean that in a disparaging way but sometimes it is because they don't really have many places to go but i once met this lady who was hilarious she was like just sat there like this it's like it's like she was like a i don't know like a like a gang lord like, <laughs> yeah, she sat there like that. i was like so you know you spend a lot of time here why do you spend a lot of time here she's like it's brilliant so uh, the experiences i've had i've had some you know rough experiences in my life but by and large most experiences i've had with people have been things that have made me want to do that more rather than be scared of it so i don't know about that element of it but i certainly appreciate the the discovering new things and the discovering mm -hmm. new people and all of that that's amazing. You're like the stranger to the people on the street. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's a, it's a tricky one with gambling, isn't it? Because I think you, you've got to be careful. You don't go down the deep end with that one Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. uh, my mum's always been a very conscious gambler. Because right. growing up Scottish, like it was all about horse racing for them. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got to ask, have you got like a game of choice when it comes to the casino? Do you steer clear from the slots? I, I never play the machines, ever. No. I only ever play tables and I only ever play with a certain amount of money that I'm willing to lose that I know would not impact my life. And I always have a very strict set of rules of if I go in, I, if I go down this percentage of money, that's when I walk out. Or if I go up this percentage of money, that's when I walk out. Because I'm not going there to make or lose money. I'm going there to have a chat to people, to stay up late, to sit in a colorful, warm environment, chat to strangers and... If I win a handful of money at the end, then happy days. But if not, that I know that what I've essentially done is spent money for an evening of entertainment. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not going in there and just going, oh, shit, I lost 100 quid. Now I've got to spend another 100. Now I've got, you know, that sort of thing. So I, occasionally I play like roulette. Yeah. And I play the same numbers every time. I only ever bet in sort of small amounts, you know. And that way it can go on for a couple of hours and chat to people at the table and, you know, it's good fun. Have you got a favorite, favorite number you're willing to divulge? Because I think everyone's got their one number, right? And I've got my four numbers, uh -huh. but I've got like, there's the one I prefer. So overall. I can, I, I don't have a favorite, but I can tell you which one has popped up most recently. And before I say this as a caveat, this is just really, I'm speaking to myself here, is that I think it's so important not to confuse correlation and causation, right? Mm. And you, especially if you're you're gambling, that the absolute killer is when you start to see patterns and think that it means something. Yeah, it is complete chance. Every I mean, you you can make decisions that kind of minimise your risk, right? But the house always has the edge. There are no patterns. It's complete chance. Having said that, the previous five times I've been to the casino, I've won every single time, and it's apart from 
one of those times, it's always been the number 22. So that has been interesting. But having said that, only a pattern in my mind. Yeah. It's nothing real. That's my mum's number because it's, yeah, her mum really? was born. Hers is 22. I'm 29. Oh, no real reason, but 29 was always my number. Just like that number. Yeah. It's a cool yeah. number, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I need to go back to the casino, actually. It's a good, it's a good time. That's it, the thing. It, it is a good time. It is a good time. You just can't get into the pattern. Or it can be dangerous to get into the pattern of going there all the time. Yeah. Uh, so especially if you start getting addicted to the dopamine hit. Right. Do you want to turn over another card? Absolutely. Go so, for it. We've been symmetrical up until now. Now I need to disrupt that. But then we can bring it back in a bit. So it, is, it is beautiful symmetry, but we do have to destroy it for okay. a second. Yeah. I'm going to turn this over. So. Liberation, Liberation. 38. Let's read it. Okie dokie. It is like this. A pair of lovers dash on horseback through the open fortress gateway across a bridge to freedom. Here is depicted the joyous escape from a constricting situation. It stands for those occasions where often by some outside agency, we are somehow set free to make a new life. However, note that although the key is in the lock, there is no bolt. Therefore, the card also represents those situations where we do have the ability to release from within ourselves. Very cool. Very cool. And that's in the present. So I know exactly what that's about. But I'm going to plead the fifth. Plead and the fifth. I'm <laughs> plead the fifth. <laughs> Next card. You've used your uh, phone of friends. So. Okay, here we go. The skills, number skills. nine. Let's read the skills. It's a nice looking crossbow. It is. I love a good crossbow. Uh, that would definitely, I'd prefer that to a normal bow because mm. it's powerful. There's a replica Legolas crossbow in there. That is, is there really? sick. Yeah, I'll show you afterwards. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never held a crossbow. I've, I've, I've done archery before. Oh, that's cool. Which was good fun, but I've never, never held a crossbow. Actually, let me um, let me just clear something up for any pedantic people. It's a longbow, not a crossbow. A longbow, oh, right? Oh, fair enough. Very good. I've used you, a there'll be some token nerds yeah, out there. Yeah, the Yurikai, they use crossbows. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, sick. <laughs> yeah, crossbows are fucking cool. Anyway, um, a taut stringed crossbow with arrows and a quiver. 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 <laughs> and two arrows, which are stood upright in the grassy earth. The arrows symbolize the skills with which we are born and those we acquire through education. The card, therefore, denotes our talents, sporting prowess, expertise, cleverness, and the equipment we use at work and play. Oh, very cool. I like this card. This is a nice card. I, um, you know, skills that we have are a really important part of our lives, I think. And, um, Learning, learning skills is like a wonderful thing. And I think learning as something to be enjoyed in itself is just a, a really noble pursuit. It's like a, a virtue in my head. Um, and I had a conversation with a friend the other day who I saw who'd um, not seen in a while. Shout out to you, Angelo. Um, he's one of my best friends from when I was like at school, you know, like, yeah. like primary school. Um, and we were like inseparable at the time, but we kind of grew up, not, we didn't grow apart. There's never any animosity. We just did different things in our lives, but we reconnected recently and, uh, he's a teacher now. I, I do some teaching as well. And we were having a conversation about sort of, you know, what it means to, to teach and what it means to be a student and the state of education and that sort of thing. And we were kind of riffing on how we think like education is a bit broken at the moment, especially for early years. Uh, education because so much of it is focused on academia and academia as a means to an end you know school college university job big money die and like 
there's a certain pragmatism about that, but it also comes at the expense of the nurture that so many other skills deserve. You know, like when, when you're at school, if you're one of the, the quote unquote smart kids who is, you know, who's gifted in the kind of academic subjects, then you're usually praised quite highly. But if you're a kid who maybe isn't performing as well in those subjects, but has these, you know, talents in, in any number of kind of practical tasks, whether that's sports or arts or design or whatever, often you're kind of excluded from that sense of reward that other kids get. And I think that's really dangerous for two reasons. One is because actually those skills that those children could potentially cultivate are skills that are enormously beneficial for society, but also skills that are really noble in their own pursuits. You know, like what isn't amazing about someone who is like really talented with electronics or someone who is really skilled at carpentry or is a great athlete or whatever the, you know, the, the thing is. So I think it's a shame for on, on that level because some of those people who have a propensity to for these skills will be neglected and then maybe maybe never develop them or develop them late and miss out on the opportunities at an early age and so on and so forth. But also, I think it's a massive blow to their self-esteem because they might see themselves as lesser because they're exceeding in other ways that aren't characterized as as success. They're characterized as as a backup plan, you know, I'll, you know, don't worry, you're not, you're not doing well in science, math and English. So, but you know, at least you can fall back on this, that or the other. The conversation should be, my God, you're like doing really well in this subject. You could make an amazing thing. How great are life. And I, I, you know, I think it's a shame that kids aren't encouraged to pursue that. Um, now, as far as this relates to me, I think it's interesting that it's come up in that, that tower with the liar in the past, the skills in the present, and the was it the scales in the future? Because you know, I I focus on certain things in my life. I'm a I'm a composer, I'm a musician, I'm a bit of a poet, bit of a writer. But I've also always had a very damaged relationship with myself, and have always had like a really self-deprecating sense of humor. It's still an important part of who I am, but. In the past, that was very insidious. I used to hate myself, really, in, in, a, in a very self-destructive way and thought I was just a completely useless piece of shit, really. Um, and it's only in the past few years, really, that I've been able to show myself a bit of love about the things I am good at. And now the sort of jokes, you know, because I'm, I'm still one to go, like, oh, I'm fucking shit, well, you know, whatever. And I think there's still a place for that kind of humor, but the nature that underpins it is different because now it's like, well, hold on. You know, I don't think, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm an arrogant person. I don't think I'm tooting my own horn, but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, do you know what? I've worked hard for something and I think, I think I'm a half decent writer. I think I'm a half decent whatever. Um, and I also don't think the journey of developing those skills or learning ever ends. I don't think there's any end destination. I think it's just a case of like learning is a wonderful thing to do in and of itself. Potentially, in, in at least in my kind of worldview, my philosophy is one of 
the richest parts of being a human, right? You, you know, there's certain things that that I think we discover meaning in, family, friendship, love. And I think learning, wisdom, you know, understanding, self-reflection, however you want to characterize that or call it, those pursuits are, are kind of up there for me with those things. And for me, at least, a lot of who I am or who I regard myself to be is derived from what I do. Mm. And the, the nature of that has changed because previously it was, oh, I do all of these things, but I'm a poser, I'm an imposter, I'm terrible at it, you know, so I'm a bad person for that. And now it's like, I do all of these things and, you know, there are big gaps and there are things that I'd love to do, but be a lot better at. Maybe I don't practice enough. Maybe I don't do this, that, the other. But fundamentally, I think that I'm doing all right. I'm doing the best I can, you know, and and I've got a, the chance to, to keep developing. So it's a nice to see that card. I think it's nice to talk about what we do and what we're good at, you know. Yeah, I mean, Chat and shit mainly. That's that's what I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to be skilled to make the music you're making. Like it's genuinely incredibly imp- impressive. So thank you very much. Yeah, you are skilled. You have many arrows <laughs> in your crossbow. I plagiarized most of it. So, you know, oh, did you? Fair enough, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, take it back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, though, man. It's very funny. Uh, that's cool. Uh, do you want to go to the next card? Yeah, let's go to the bottom. Beauty. Oh, I mean, come on, oh, obviously. Mate. Obviously. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is the misogynist, um, the misogynistic. Oh. Well, oh, I remember this one. <laughs> oh, okay. This, I this, feel... was, this book was written like 30, 40 years ago. Right. I think okay. for like 50, actually. Um, so be prepared. This is a bit of a ride. Here we go. A beautiful woman in a fine Tudor style gown is seen looking at her reflection in a mullioned window, as if she is waiting to make her entrance and checking her appearance. This character stands for the element of passion and romantic love. For men, it can mean a love affair of the sort that inspires great art. For women, it can point to a flowering of the awareness of her sexuality or the presence of a rival in love. The card can have implications of a danger, and one aspect of the face of beauty can be a demanding whore. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's Yeah, that took yeah. quite a sharp turn at the end it there, did, didn't it? It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a demanding horse. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an interesting card. Self-reflection, sort of desire, love, romance. You've got the beauty and the lion right yeah. next to each other. And they're in the past. They're in the past. I mean, yeah, yeah I've, I've had, you know, I've been in love before. I've, I've fallen out of love before. I've had my heart broken. I regrettably have probably done the same to other people. You know, it's tricky talking about those sort of things. It takes um, a lot of vulnerability, especially yeah. on a, a public platform. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of the things you talk about have um, like a, a common theme I see with you is connection, wanting to connect with people. Mm. Um, like, you know, it sounds like in the past you wanted to be seen, but you didn't. Maybe it was to be seen in a way where you didn't have to be vulnerable. Like mm. You were like, oh, this is me. I'm here. I'm right in front of you. You don't need to... This is the mask I'm wearing. But now you've kind of taken all of that off. And you're still trying to see... You're trying to see your own reflection for yourself. You're trying to discover who you are. But through that, you're also connecting with people in mm. deeper ways. Yeah. By the sounds of it, too. I think so. I think... I think I've definitely been guilty of being impulsive and 
and maybe on a certain level superficial in the past. And I think, um, especially as we get older, I don't know, maybe this is a kind of universal experience or maybe I'm just projecting, I don't know. But I I certainly know that as I've gotten older, I think I've discovered more truth about what it means to, to... to have relationships with other people. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, although that is a big part of it. Familial relationships, you know, platonic relationships, business relationships. You know, just, just, I think, a s- developing sense of maturity. And I say developing because there's a long bloody way for me to go still, but, <laughs> but a developing sense of maturity about like, I don't know, a, a, about trying to understand other people's minds and how they perceive you as well and that sort of thing. You know, I've I've been lucky to have had some wonderful friends and wonderful partners over the years, and I also have gotten to a place where I don't think, you know, I I don't really bear ill will to anyone. I don't hold any grudges. I don't do any of that. I've been some like you know, I've had some major heartbreaks in my life. Not that I would feel comfortable discussing for their privacy rather than mine. But you know, I've I've been on the receiving end of some 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 nasty things before and it takes a while to heal from that right and it's uh it's that interesting thing of like you know when people say like you know what doesn't kill you make you stronger or you know you learn from it and you become i think there's truth to that I've, i've always slightly resented the idea that like we have to suffer to learn that that implication to me is slightly problematic like surely it would be better if people just had their needs met and you know we lived in a a happy world where people didn't have to suffer that would be ideal but i do think that you know you when that happens if it happens if you can then respond in a way where you learn about yourself and you learn about others people and eventually you can let it go and forgive whatever then you know that's that i think is a good thing for your own your own kind of story um but yeah i mean like isn't like being in love just like the most amazing thing right doesn't that kind of underpin like what it means to be alive that feeling that you get when there's there's no doubt in your mind there's no there's no worry there's no discomfort and obviously all relations have all relationships have those things but when you're in that moment of feeling that way and you feel so intertwined with someone outside yourself that you're almost the same person that's like what an incredible feeling and i've had that at times in my life and i don't think it always has to be romantic either you know like i've had nights out like nights up chatting to friends until like four in the morning you know and and something happens at some point where you realize like my life would be irreparably damaged had I never, not damaged, that's not the right word because that's like post facto, right? But it would be, there would be something missing had, had if that connection wasn't there. And I think as humans, we, we make so many stupid decisions and we make so many stupid mistakes and we hurt people when we don't mean to and we we're greedy and we're selfish and we do all of these things but we're all always trying i think i hope 
to to be better and so for the people that have for the relationships that i've had with people again romantic platonic whatever familial as well where those things well i perceive myself to be on the receiving end of that kind of you know unfortunate treatment being able to be in a position where you can forgive that and you can recognize the humanity and the the fallibility in the other person often can make a relationship much, so much stronger and what a wonderful valuable thing that is and for the times when you recognize that you've been the perpetrator of those things which we all are at times in our lives i think it's it's a privilege to be able to have been forgiven or to have been able to learn something about yourself and something that people shouldn't take for granted. I think people should spend time seriously reflecting on on these things. Like I know I have. I know there's been big mistakes I've made in the past and things that I've committed to to, you know, not making those mistakes again. And there's also things I've been learned about other people, like where my boundaries are and the things that I'm not willing to accept as treatment of myself because I think I deserve better than that. And but also about the capacity, as I said, for forgiveness, for for learning, for mutual understanding and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's there's something wonderful and terrible about how powerful love is. Mm. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of what makes life worth living at times, you know, much like these other things. So that's a cool card to see. It's interesting that it's in the past, yeah. past row for me. Um, I don't know necessarily what that means for me yet, but we'll You're see. You're going to find out. How about we find out? Let's find out where it's right heading now. to. Yeah. So this says the home. The home. Ooh. Oh, that's so lovely. That okay. sounds like it's going to be a nice one. That's a, that's a hopeful card. I like that. Seven. All right, let me read this for you. A cozy cottage half with tea laid and a cat curled up by a burning fire on a winter's evening. <laughs> This card draws us to our background and the security we all need from a warm, comforting environment. It represents the trusted, simple things in our lives, which we sometimes undervalue. Mm, that is lovely. It would be even better if it was a dog. I, I, I a like dog dogs guy. more too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cats are cool, but... Yeah. I, you know, cats, I, 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 don't, I don't... I wouldn't say I hate cats, but I, I definitely think less of them as beings. Um, no. <laughs> they don't <laughs> no, love you not like really, dogs no, do. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I'm just... Uh, I've got a bit of trauma to do with cats because i had a cat when i was a kid um his name was mikey and he was deranged um (laughs) and he i would sometimes be walking around the house and bear in mind i'm like seven years old at this time i'd be walking across the landing in my childhood house and he'd be in like a bedroom and he'd spot me and he'd come running out and he'd just come and attack me (laughs) and like this one time i've got this really vivid memory which is weird because because of something else maybe we'll get to talk about at some point but I, i i i i don't have a lot of memories from my childhood um, but this one, I have this memory of the cat running out, climbing up my legs and digging its claws in my face. Whoa. And like, I had to like shake it off. It was Jesus like something from a cartoon. Christ. I had to like drag it off. And Whoa. soon after it ran away. Oh, right. Okay. That's what my parents told me. They didn't tell me that they gave it away until I was about 24. Oh, bless you. And, um, and I was really upset. I was like, it's despite it being an actual murderous psychopath, I loved the little bastard. <laughs> So, 
Uh, but anyway, so I have a complicated relationship with cats. But I'm going to pretend that's a dog, and yeah. everything else about it is beautiful. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, what is what is home? You is know? it where? Is it? Do you carry home with you, or is home something you go back to? It's interesting. I think I've spent a lot of time trying to escape home. Mm. You know, not 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 because I have a particularly like disruptive home life either. You know, like my parents are, are wonderful people. We have our differences and so on, but you know, by and large, they never made me feel un- unwelcome at home or anything like that. But um, I don't know. I think I spent a lot of my life kind of maybe trying to find where I fit in or what it is where I feel like I'm doing something. Well, you know, but I've never, never really felt very settled in one place, and. Um, I think the times, if if home is like synonymous with kind of comfort, maybe or or stillness, that kind of thing, then often what home is to me is uh, a thing that I find myself doing. So sometimes I'll go out on like these long walks. It's a bit of a hobby of mine, and I'll take a little notepad and I'll sort of write poems or just write ideas down or whatever it is you know just observations about things that i think are cool and these just sometimes take six ten twelve hours whatever and occasionally i find myself sitting somewhere and you know the world just kind of goes quiet or it doesn't or it stays really busy but there's some kind of synchronicity to the way the noise is happening and how it marries up with my psyche at the time and i just kind of sit there and everything feels for a bit like that moment could go on forever and for a time, I feel very still. And that's really difficult for me because I'm a very neurotic person. Right? I, I really, uh, I have a kind of like very loud inner monologue, or I should say inner argument mm-hmm. between four or five psychotic demons. <laughs> um, and it's very difficult for me to find that sense of stillness. And so those rare moments, and it usually it comes in, it comes in tandem either with, that kind of sense of satisfaction and, and, and reverence that I was talking about with another person, like a friend or whatever. And I think it especially happens after you've seen someone very special to you that you've not seen in a long time. You know, when you have that and you reconnect and it's like that, that honeymoon period of any interpersonal relationship is like there again and you kind of come out glowing, you know. And then especially if, I don't know, you go to sleep after that and you and, and you kind of that, that feeling of like, oh, if I die in my sleep tonight, like that'd be oh, yeah. that'd be fine, you know? Like and, and I don't mean that in a morbid way, I just mean that in like, you know, what a wonderful last chapter that would be, you know, that kind of feeling. That to me is kind of synonymous with, with home, in that if we're looking for contentment and we're looking for a place to feel our own, then it's more for me to do with like the people you spend it with. And also a state of mind, I think, like, you know, I sometimes I'll write a certain thing or I'll read a certain thing and whatever it gets me thinking about or feeling at the end of it, there'll be this kind of calm or like centeredness that makes me feel like, oh, I'm, I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do. You know, you, have you ever had that feeling, Yeah. you know, where you just know that you're, you're spending your time how you're supposed to. And that is a really rewarding feeling. So I think... I like that that's in the future because I think so much of my past has been disruptive and chaotic and mm. and dangerous and 
it's nice, I think, to imagine a place where I can be much more content with myself on a kind of daily basis, you know. And, yeah, and you've definitely uh, got um, like a narrative going, you know, your past is, as you say, chaotic. You've mm. got these like winding, treacherous stairs that you yeah. can fall off at any moment. Um, and, you know, you're freed from those. You're the stranger walking through the door into the home. You've got this like sense of balance in your life now. You've gone from feeling like a pretender to mm. someone who's got a Good weapon. Good as well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, and um, yeah, you've developed yourself. You've grown. You've gone from sort of being this wanderer, by the sounds of it, to to having found your place mm. in things. Yeah, I mean, and I think that there's always like it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think like obviously we've got three cards in each one, right? Yeah. But really, like, if this imagine if this thing was like if this could move itself around, yeah. I feel like they'd be changing all the time and totally. that sort of stuff. And they'd be stretching out. So like these ones would get further away or they'd come closer and that sort of thing. But I mean, it would certainly be sad if those three were in the future. <laughs> 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 you know, like, that I agree with. So. Oh, <laughs> um, so let's do the last two cards. Ooh, let's okay. do the bottom card. That is your the thing that was pushing you forward this okay. whole time from your past through into what you're going towards. So... Put one card at the bottom, right flip the it bottom. over. Okay. I hope it's the Legma card. <laughs> <laughs> the sun. Ooh, wow. Interesting. Uh, it's number fucking out my eyes. Is that 20? 20, I think it says. Yeah. I really, 20. I need to go get checked up, The man. sun. Check yourself. The opticians next door. Big Is it? Sky. We'll get like oh. a free test, maybe. We should get like discount or some shit. Anyway. Um, the sun stands high over the harvest field with wheat sheaves, ripe corn and cornflowers. Children skip around a maypole in a celebration of fertility in the land. The sun stands for power, energy and creative forces behind the universe. A male sign. It symbolizes confidence and success and a benign influence on all around it. It represents the conscious power of the intellect. It's very cerebral and also quite, you know, phallic. As well, the old male pole, <laughs> children dancing around it. Well, um, I mean, no comment. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, there's some stuff you're saying about like um, about the motivation of it and the creative force and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I've al always, ever since I was a kid, I've always been a creative person, different ways and to different levels of success, but. Um, I've always just wanted to make things and, and, and always kind of conceptualized as that sort of being the point of life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I would find my life quite empty, I think, if I if I lost that spirit to to make things. Uh, and so it seems quite fitting to me that that becomes a or, you know, is represented here as what drives me forward. I think that's that's very fair. I'm very much a sort of person who likes to, to to know things, to make things, to do things and hopefully that's characterized in a way that's that's I think the word that used was benign or mm -hmm. something like that. I I mean I want to do good. I want to at least for my little patch of the world leave it in a better shape than it was when I got here. But how much that's possible I don't know. But um I've definitely never done any maypole dancing. <laughs> um <laughs> And I don't think I've ever seen a sun with eyes before, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. 
If you do, don't look into it. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of the sun. Did you ever play um, Super Mario Brothers 3? Oh, with the no. Pew Pew sun. There's the, there's the sun that chases you on the stage and you've yeah. got to like, oh, duck God. and throw. It's fucking... It's stressful. It's, sounds terrifying. It's like, a, it's like it's a traumatic core memory for me trying to run away from the sun. <laughs> they should use it in interviews, like Super yeah. Mario levels. Like, oh, can you handle pressure? Here's a Super Mario level. <laughs> Here's yeah. the one where the water is rising constantly and you're going to drown God, any second. Sounds like my worst nightmare. It yeah. is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a cool card. I mean, like the... I, I think I, I, I really, you know... I mean, I don't actually give a fuck, but I, I, I prefer. I hope I don't come across too pretentious, right? But it, it, it's it's hard for me to overstate just how important I think art is, really, right? You know, like I I see it as kind of like a fundamental thing that that human beings need, right? And that does. I I acknowledge that does sound wanky because what people need a lot more is is healthcare <laughs> and water and food and and somewhere safe to live and not to be run by tyrannical governments who are you know doing That's... their best to kill them um so all of that thing stuff is obviously more important but let's imagine a, a world a hypothetical world where like everyone's basic needs were met what would be the thing that i personally think most people would choose to do with their time it would be art you know i think there's um, I don't know if you're familiar with the musical theatre composer Stephen Sondheim. Mm. But, um, he died recently. No? He did. He died last year. It was terribly sad because he's a massive, massive influence on me. Um, I would have loved to have met him one day, but sadly that, that won't happen. But uh, He uh, has a song in his musical Sunday in the Park with George called Children and Art. And it's where a grandmother is singing to her grandchild about this painting that his great-grandfather had made. And um, they're talking about, you know, sort of what it means to be alive and what we leave behind. And she says, you know, the two things that we can leave behind are children and art. Mm. And I've never wanted to kind of configure that as like legacy. I'm not so interested in legacy in the sense of, you know, I want to be remembered. I want to have left my mark. You know, sorry, <laughs> I, I want to do that. Um, but I do think there's something wonderful about have, having contributed something to like the cultural consciousness or just spent your time exploring meaning and then maybe what you leave as remnants of yourself helps other people to do that same thing. And that, I think, is, is a massive motivator to me to want to wanna explore meaning and to, to leave behind what I've discovered for other people to use that. You know, it's like, imagine if overnight for some reason, let's just say, all memory of of Aristotle and Avicenna and, and, and you know, sort of Descartes and, and, and it, all philosophical thinking was, was just eroded overnight. And for some reason, we had no memory of it. We'd find ourselves, I think, in a place where suddenly, how, how would we interact then? Because... You know, whilst all of that stuff, you might you might characterize it as like highfalutin and 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 kind of you know like armchair philosophy or, or whatever whatever kind of negative accusations one might make about it. Um, there's kind of like rungs on the ladder of how we kind of gotten to where we are now, right? And without the knowledge that came before, we couldn't have discovered more stuff and so on and so forth. And I think the the same is true of art. You know, like we explore things and we we say things and we do things artistically speaking 
individually and you know societally and then the next generation takes what they've learned and that almost becomes innate it's, it's almost like what you know how like with like music and the internet now um you've got all of, especially within our sort of genres you've got like these kind of like technical metal bands who are just beyond any kind of level of comprehension of technical facility now when that first wave of music started coming out you know a lot of it was using like programmed drums and things and so you you like people would be listening to this stuff especially when they're young and impressionable they'd listen to it and they'd think oh that's that's the best drummer i've ever heard when really it's a machine right but then what that would inspire them to do is go i need to be able to be that good and so then we got this wave of musicians come about who are so far beyond like the skills of what's come before like my mate mike right who plays drums for a band called monuments he's yeah they're fantastic excellent man mike in my opinion he's one of my best mates but he's he's also and i say this just you know objectively he's one of the most technically proficient drummers in the world he is obscenely good and i think part of what that might have been and you know i I can't speak on his behalf but this is what i think might, might have been part of that is that he grew up listening to all those bands and he just thought, well, that's the threshold. Mm. Like, even though that might be a machine doing it now, we need to be able to do that in the future. And so he practiced and he plays and he had fun doing it. But fundamentally, he's taken what came before. The technological developments of the previous generation became his bottom line. Mm. And then he builds on that. And now you'll get another generation of people who are doing something even more amazing. Um, and to be part of that history and future, I think, is a wonderful thing. So I think creativity and and that intermingled with hope and you know kind of like reckless optimism i think is a <laughs> is, is is a nice thing to be motivated by and so on i'm 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 happy that, that came up that's beautiful yeah, imagine if it just came up and it was just like money <laughs> <You're>, yeah <laughs> i just sat here like um. <laughs> it's just another car that says the liar yeah <laughs> I was like, we didn't have two of those <laughs> there is like a wealth of money card though isn't there there is a money card there's oh, also a come card. Yeah, yeah. Come should, up. We, should we find out let's find out okay remember the money card came up once and someone was just like yep i need money oh the <laughs> fool this is this is the most Ooh. musical card. Every single person always pulls the field. Really? Yes. Interesting. It is the musician's, um, the musician's card. You will see why. So I'm just, I'm playing. I'm seeing what I think he's playing. <laughs> you are art embodied. Um, oh, f- fuck yeah. <laughs> I will read the full. <laughs> Piping merrily along the cliff top, away from his house, perched perilously on the edge. The fool dances along, skipping over the roots of the tree. The character can stand for folly and stupidity of the sort that brings so many ventures to ruin in oneself and in other people. It can also symbolise the holy fool, the person who can tell us truths of a sort which a wise man cannot. Yeah, it can also be a sense of someone playing their own tune through life. Oh, I mean... You're a musician, that's what you do. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a musician and I'm, and I'm a fool. There's <laughs> definitely no doubt about that. Uh, that's quite nice, I think. I think there's something nice about being a bit of an idiot. It's right? a positive card. Yeah. It's a it's a genuinely positive card. And like, you know, you you it's a brave card too. You're like skipping over roots, your house is on a cliff. That's <laughs> some serious bravery right there. Well, maybe, maybe. I think it's like I don't know, so much of what we do as people is is perilous, like in one way or another. Like yeah. not everything we do is a danger to our life, but you know, we're always doing things that are challenging ourselves even just getting up in the morning and deciding to 
make it through another day is like a really brave thing to do for a lot of people, right? Um, I know that I've had my fair share of, of dangerous times and times when I've come close to the cliff edge and danced around on it, for sure. But I like the idea of, of like, <laughs> I don't know, there's something about in the colourfulness and like, how's this sort of dancing along, playing his little, playing his little whistle for, but why? Why, why is he playing? That would be my question. Is he playing for himself? Is he playing for other people? Is he, can he not be bothered to get a job? You know, like, uh, all of those are true for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, where is he going? Where is he going? Because that, yeah. that's where the cliff is over this way in the image. It's so. true. I don't know. That's, there's something nice about that. What's your cliff? What's your, you know, oh, the sun is Ooh. shining. All of these are positive cards mm. um, overall. And you do have, it's interesting that your home, you had home and the home is on the cliff. Yeah. 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 I mean, what is my cliff? That is a really good question. I mean, I know that like, I could answer that very surely if this was in the past, because I know that throughout my whole life really since i was about 12 you know i've had a, a very as i said earlier quite a neurotic mind and i've dealt with psychosis and and you know my addiction issues and all this i've always had like a kind of like uh, a nice healthy soup of of ill health mentally speaking um and you know like i i hope this isn't upsetting to to people that are listening so but i've you know, been suicidal for a lot of my life and and have made attempts at that in the past, right? And I've come back from that. And um, I think I spent my entire life, really, from about the age of 19 to about 25, feeling like I was one, always, just every day, just one thing away from the end, you know? And it's a really horrible place to find yourself because you're always like, in this weird limbo of being extremely highly strung, like anything could go wrong at any moment and disaster is around the corner. And also just not really giving a shit whether that happens or not. Like, mm. I don't care whether I live or die, you know? And so you find yourself in this strange place where you're like always looking at oblivion, kind of terrified of it, kind of like hoping it actually comes for you. And... um there's something weirdly exhilarating about it and there's something absolutely terrifying about it and it's 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 really strange to be in that place for for like so long and um i can never really overstate how grateful i am to the people that helped me get sober that's a big part of it it's because that you know it's a massive tangible benefit in my life but also the other thing is like like um the self love of starting to not treat myself as poorly as I did and and the recognition of the relationships I had and all that sort of stuff. And also rediscovering the joy of creativity because for a long time, like I know, I know I wax lyrical about this stuff a lot, about how important art is for me and stuff. And part of that is because for a long time that was all I had. Mm. You know, when I was at my lowest ebb, the only thing that really gave me a, any reason to, to stick around was because I had an idea I wanted to work on. But back then it was like, it was like a punishing thing. It was like, it was spite, actually. Spite kept me going for a long time. Like, like fuck you, I've got to get this done. Fuck you, universe. Like, you're not going to claim me. I'm going to get this done. And that kept me alive for a while. But then eventually that becomes poisonous in itself because that's just more anger and more hate. And It's nice now to be in a place where 
I can enjoy creativity because of the joy of it and because of what it gives me rather than, you know, rather than being this kind of, this like lifeline. It's not a lifeline anymore. It's, it's a companion. And that, that is a much more preferable place to be in. And um, I, I think I, I'm happy about the prospect of being able to take that forward. I think, you know, that doesn't mean that music has to just suddenly become this like perpetually celebratory, whimsical thing where it's just like, oh, everyone's happy now. Most of the music I write is still pretty miserable, right? Or not, but it's it's not like, it's not overtly miserable. It's not like, let's be sad together. It's like, let's heal through sadness together. Mm. And that is, I think, a, a much more preferable place to be. And he just has stunning, stunning sartorial choices. He's, I mean, look at that footwear. Like, how? like Tom Bombadil, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Tom Bombadil. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But yeah, that's that's a nice card to to, to end on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and on that cliff edge. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Serpent Temple podcast. It's thank been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. That it's was been wonderful. Really fun. I've never done anything like this before, so it was no, good, good laugh. Good, 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 good. Yeah, we can totally uh, wrap on that. Um, thank you for listening. Is there anything you'd like to say? Um, um, never shove your granny while she's shaving. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll, do. that'll do. That'll do it. But that'll also, do. if you do want to, you know, uh, listen to my band, you can do that as well. That's called Novena. Um, They're very good. So, so, so do that if you know you got a terrible taste in music. So. we can confirm it is not terrible music (laughs) it's genuinely great Um, so don't be silly thank you so much for listening everyone feel free to like and subscribe leave a comment listen to Nirvana if you haven't already let us know what you think Mm -hmm. and uh, thank you so much goodbye bye bye until next time nice